here's your host, Mark Moses. Good afternoon and welcome. Welcome indeed to hour number two of the Mark Moses Show. Let's go to Orlando and talk some UCF basketball. Has it got another big win over the weekend against Oklahoma there at home? This guy was there and he does a great job covering all things UCF for the Orlando Sentinel. He's my good friend Matt Merchell. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Mark? Look, dude, I, I'm in shock. I did not expect this year one in the Big 12, and I feel bad saying that, but I was being realistic. But they're getting wins. What is going on with this program? We'll start there. Yeah, you know, I think you're starting to see them grow and, and, and develop kind of an identity, you know, for, for the Big 12. I mean, I think you're right. You look at going into the season, I don't think anyone had any uh, thoughts that UCF would contend in the Big 12. Uh, they were picked last, you know, in, in the preseason media poll. Uh, and, and yet here they are, you know, sitting kind of midway in, in, in the conference standings, you know, with two uh, top 25 wins for the first time since 2019. So uh, they're doing things right. They're playing defense well. And they've had two big, huge home wins, as you know, uh, against number three Kansas back in January and then against Oklahoma on Saturday. They weren't playing well last year in the American. That's why I need to back up when I say I had low expectations because they weren't doing well the last couple of years. Right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, they've had their struggles, you know, and I think part of that is, you know, the fact that they had some turnover on the roster. You know, the transfer portal has really kind of impacted college basketball uh, a lot more in a way than, than college football, you know, because you can pretty much turn over a roster uh, year in and year out. And, you know, now you look at the idea that, you know, you, uh, Johnny Dawkins, the UCF coach, brought in 10 new players this year, um, you know, from the portal. They had to basically kind of start to kind of build a, a chemistry together. They did that during the off season. They went to they went overseas for a for a brief little uh, you know a, a, a tour there to kind of help build that camaraderie. They come back. They had a, a decent non conference you know run, uh, but then they get in the Big Twelve, and and I don't think anyone thought they would they would play as well as they have. And I think you know the last the last couple of games, even against Baylor, they led most of that game. Uh, they led about thirty five minutes of that game before giving up the lead late and, and eventually the win. Um, so, you know, this is a team right now that's playing well. They're getting healthy. I think that's going to help them out as they, they finish out the rest of the season. Okay, you go to the game last Saturday. You have Oklahoma 23 in the country. They went 74-63. How did they get the win in this game? Well, they, they got the win by playing defense and being aggressive in the second half. You know, they built up, like they had like the, the previous three games, they had built up a halftime lead. Uh, because of some tremendous shooting. You know, they were able to shoot the ball pretty well. That's something that they haven't done well all season long. They're not a great shooting team, but they were able to shoot the ball. They had some early defensive stops, got some steals and some blocks. The second half, what really impressed me was this team kind of went, in the transition game, went aggressive at the basket. They really attacked Oklahoma in the paint, and that's something that, you know, I don't think I've seen them do over the last two or three games. And that and, and Oklahoma had no answer for it. You know, they, they got a bunch of fouls. They got Oklahoma – a couple of their Oklahoma big men and, and foul trouble early on in the second half. And then they just continued to be relentless, attacking the basket, not settling for those outside shots. And that's in turn, by getting fouls and things like that, they got to the foul line. I mean, this, they got to the foul line, I think, 35 times against Oklahoma, which is, which is what this team needs to do. They're a good defensive team, but they need to attack the rim more. They need to be more aggressive around the basket. And I think that's something they showcased in the second half. And then they were able to pull away. I mean, it wasn't even close with about you know, 12, 13 minutes left in the game. It wasn't even close. UCF had built up a double-digit lead and pretty much ran away with it. So an impressive win for them. 
but it's not going to get any easier, Mark, as no. you know, in the Big 12. Big 12 is the best conference in the country. They got to go on the road on Saturday at Texas Tech, which is 15th in the country. And then the fall, and a couple days later, they're at BYU, which is 22nd in the country. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We're here with Matt Marcello, Orlando Sentinel. I know Johnny Dawkins also picked up his 300th win in that win against Oklahoma. What was he like post game? Was he excited? What was the atmosphere? <laughs> well, I think he's, you know, Johnny's a, a low key type of guy. I think he was, um, you know, he tried to downplay the 300 wins. I mean, I understood the importance of it. But, you know, I think he wanted his team – it was more important that his team got the win. You know, it was more important that UCF got the win and they played as well as they did. He tried to downplay the 300. Now, we talked to some of the players, and they said, listen, they wanted to give Johnny that 300 win. They wanted so badly. They wanted to do it against Baylor on Tuesday. They just weren't able to do it. But they were able to get it done on, on you know, Saturday. Um, and I think that's just huge. It just shows kind of, a, you know, how, he, uh, how Johnny has kind of been around the game for a long time. Uh, he's very, you know, coaches really appreciate how he does, how he runs a program. Um, and, and, and a lot of people talk about that, just, you know, the, the ability to, to get to this program and put them where they're at right now. It's not easy winning in the Big 12. That's what every coach who's come through told, has told us, is that it's not easy winning in the Big 12. And Johnny's finding a way to do it in their year one. Look, the profession he does, what have you done for me in the last five minutes? 300 is a big accomplishment <laughs> to be around that long. You're absolutely right. What was the crowd like, especially Saturday, getting that win? Oh, it, it, it was tremendous. You know, it was a sold-out crowd. You know, it was 4 o'clock tick. You know, so I think everybody was there. I mean, the, the student section has been amazing, you know, uh, most of the season, you know, really kind of providing a spark. I think there were times in the second half where it was, it was so loud that, you know, it really did kind of bother Oklahoma a little bit, some of the things they've done. Every coach we've spoken with, especially this past week, you know, with – with Oklahoma and Baylor has spoken about this idea that, you know, that crowd is the kind of atmosphere that you want to see from a big 12 type of crowd. You know, you want to see people really get in, you know, really kind of make things difficult for them. That's one of the challenges I think in the big 12 is winning these, these road games. And so I think teams are starting to find out that, you know, Orlando may have great weather and and have the the wonderful attractions, but it's going to be a tough place to play basketball. And I think that's what's, what's going on right now. So um, they're going to have to continue that stretch. They're going to have to find ways to win this game, and they need the crowd to provide a spark and to provide a little bit of energy for some of these players. All right, the 13-8. and eight. What's best-case scenario, then, going into March for you? Oh, I mean, I mean, best-case scenario, I mean, I mean, my thought process, this is what I've been writing the last couple, is, is the fact that they've got to get, if they get to 500 in the conference, they've got a good chance of making the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, especially considering how tough the Big 12 is. I mean, the Big 12 had six teams ranked in the top 25, today and that just came out um i think there, i think uh, uh joe lenardi has nine teams or nine bids uh for the ncaa tournament in his bracketology espn bracketology so i think they got to get to 500 in, in in the in the uh in the conference play now if they don't if they're a couple of games under maybe it's strong enough that you can make it get a good a solid nit bid and, and go through that route um but i i think you know for this program if they can get to the postseason i think that's outstanding considering you know, when you look at the schedule and how tough the Big 12 is going to be, and, you know, like I said, bringing in 10 new players and, you know, trying to get guys, guys that have been hurt. You know, C.J. Walker's been banged up. You know, Shamar Allen's been out. I mean, they've had guys in and out. They had a couple guys who didn't start the first half of the season because, of you know, they were trying to get waivers from the NCAA. So to be able to, to, to do something like that would be outstanding for this program. And, yeah. um, you know, so, I mean, that's where it's going to be tough. You know, they got nine games left. 
They've got to they got to find a way to win the majority of those games if they're going to be 500 and, and try to get an NCAA bid. All right, if they get to 500, it's like all right, we're in the room now. We're talking. You're at 500. The Stetson loss is terrible if you're looking at the resume, just awful earlier in the year. But Stetson might be good at their own conference. Um, you beat Kansas, top five team, and it's Kansas. You beat Oklahoma. I love the West Virginia win. Uh, it's Houston. Houston's a top five program, and I know that was like just mm-hmm. ugly. What did they score? Like 42 points in that one? Not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, five. I'll tell you. All right, get to 500, and then what? Would you have to win a game in the conference tournament? Would that help you? Yeah, I mean, obviously. I mean, and, that, and that's where this kind of gets, you know, it kind of gets, you know, when you look at the, the sort of schedules. I mean, let's say they're at 18 wins at the end of the year, um, you know, and they get to the Big 12, you know, uh, tournament. You know, then they're going to have to win a couple of games in the Big 12 tournament. You know, I mean, they've got they've right. got two qua- a really good quality quad one wins, um, but that one quad four loss, which is the one that sets in, that really hurts them. You know, I mean, that, that's, I know people keep saying, well, early on, but I mean, if it's, if it's razor thin looking at who, which team's going to get in, that could be something for them. So they're going to have to find a way to win some games and they're going to have to win against top 25 teams. I mean, like I mentioned, they've, this is only the second time they've beaten two top 25 teams in the same year since 2019. Um, and in 2018, 2019 season. So, you know, they're going to have to find a way to, to beat some of these teams. And they're going to have to do it on the road, it looks like. I mean, you know, if they can, if they can, you know, beat Texas Tech or beat BYU, I felt like this four-game stretch with Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and BYU, if they could go two and two, yeah. I think that would be outstanding. You know I mean? Considering that yes. it was against four ranked teams. Um, if they don't, if they lose the next two, you've got an opportunity. Maybe you beat Cincinnati, you beat West Virginia, you know, but again, it just makes things tougher down the road. And then going into the conference tournament, you know, this conference is tough. I, I, you know, you can't predict anything, but you got to make a, a solid run in there as well. Wait a minute. Does the resume, does it help where they beat Texas and they do horns down and the Texas coach goes crazy? Does that help their cause? <laughs> that doesn't help their cause at all. I mean, that's just, I mean, beating Texas helps their cause, but I mean, not the horns down thing. I, I think that's all ridiculous to begin with. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, again, these are all quality wins. That's something that, you know, that, that they need to put together. When you're looking at the resume, I mean, you got to have a find a way to, to put those down. So they have a good opportunity. I think their schedule is like the ninth or 10th toughest schedule in the big 12, the rest of the way. So that's going to help them out a little bit. Um, and they got to hope that some of the teams that they beat Oklahoma and Kansas, you know, get hot and, and, and do well, because that's going to help their cause, you know, in, in the long run, when you look at the strength of schedule. I've known you for about 10 years. Isn't it just cool or having these conversations about UCF athletics where you're taking on these big programs now? No, it's, 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 it's great. I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, we're talking about in a period of three days, you had two top 25 teams in Orlando playing UCF. You know what I mean? And, and, and think about that. I mean, like I said, it, it's just amazing. And to think about it, they're going to play four straight games against top 25 teams. Um, that's incredible. And, and to see, the, awesome. to see the, 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 the arena filled up and to, to see there's excitement about basketball. I mean, uh, this is something that hasn't happened in a while. And I, and I think that, if, if UCF can make a run here, and even if they, let's say they don't get to the NCAA tournament this year, it, but they have a great showing, uh, let's say they finish in the middle of the pack of the Big 12, I think that's a huge statement. I think that's, that's going to help Johnny when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. I think that's going to help uh, UCF when it comes to their brand identity. Every coach we've asked about UCF, 
you know, saying, what do you think of UCF says? They deserve to be in the Big 12. I mean, the way they play. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're not, this isn't some, you know, this wasn't a, a, a give me, you know, bid to get into the Big 12. They deserve to be there. And um, they're showcasing that. And I think that's something that's, you know, they, that, that the, the men's basketball needs to continue to do. Women's basketball got a big win this weekend as well against Iowa State. These programs got to continue to, to kind of find ways to get some of these wins to showcase to everyone that they're not just, you know, at the bottom of, of, of the conference, that they still have enough to go out there and, and win some of these games. What's been your favorite game you've gone to so far this year? Oh, I thought the I thought the Oklahoma game was was really good. I, I thought that was uh, UCF played some of its best basketball I've witnessed this season. I mean, I wasn't at the Kansas game. I mean, I, I was out of town, but um, that was obviously a great game from what you know what from what everyone said. But I just felt like the second half of that Oklahoma game Saturday that was how UCF should play all the time. They should just continue to to, to get the ball, to get steals, to get blocks, run with ball down the court, and go into transition and attack the basket because. I think trying to settle for three-pointers and settle for, for, for long shots isn't going to help them out. They're not a great shooting team. Mm-hmm. They just need to get out there and, and use their size and their athleticism, and they're going to find a way to win some games. And I think Johnny may have hit on it a little bit. I think maybe this team has been trying to do that a little bit. I think if they could do that against you know the Texas Techs and the BYUs and things like that, I think they've got a shot to pull off another upset here. There. We're with Matt Marcello, Orlando Sentinel. I've been saying this for a couple weeks now, and I want to get your take. I don't think there is any super teams in college basketball anymore. Because what you said, uh, you know, the NBA draft and transfer portal. And I I don't know who's the best player anymore. I don't know who's the big draft prospect. I don't know who the super team is. Is this good for college basketball? What's happened? What's your take? Um, I mean, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I mean, there's, there's instances where teams can come in, like I said, and with the transfer portal, they can rebuild their roster. I mean, look at what. Florida Atlantic does, FAU did last year. You know, I mean, they brought in, you know, a, a lot of talented, experienced players, and they made a, a serious run in the NCAA tournament. Miami did the same thing, you know, and you're seeing that more and more where, where teams are going to the portal and bringing in talented players to fill holes and fill needs that maybe they couldn't, you know, have done before. Uh, and I think that's where some of these programs are, are having some success, or at least continued success, because, they're, you know, they are able to use the portal for that range. I think UCF is going to get there. You know, at some point, I think their NIL, you know, uh, if, if the NIL kind of gets better, I think, and they're going to working on that, I think that's going to help, you know, get them to get some players. They're recruiting well. They've got a couple top players already uh, that they've, you know, got commitments from for next class. I mean, those kind of things eventually will pay off. Uh, it's just going to be trying to, to parlay that into success on, on, on the court. Um, if they get to the NCAA, a couple, uh, you know, get to an NCAA tournament a couple times in the next two or three years, that can only can help out as well. So, all those things kind of play play into it, but you're right. It's tough. It's tough figuring out who's going to be the next big player, who's going to be the guy, the person that you believe is is going to, you know, be the next big NBA superstar at some point. And it's really tough. I, I mean, look at look at Kansas. Kansas is a great team, and Kansas has struggled at times. And Houston's is a great right. team, and they've lost a couple of games. So uh, it's interesting to see these teams kind of go at it. It's weird where and this is my complaint to you. So, like, in college football, all right, Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner. We all know who he is. He can go to the number one, you know, be the number one pick in the draft or go back to USC. College I've, basketball, I have no idea who's the best player. I And I cover sports, and I can't tell you that answer. I, that's what I don't understand. Yeah, and, and the best player may not even be playing American basketball <laughs> right point. now, Mark, to be honest with you. I mean, the best player could be playing in Europe, I mean, right now. I mean, that's – I mean, you, you, you just don't know, and I mean – I think what I would like to see happen is 
if if the transfer portal keeps a player from jumping early to the NBA, mm. you know, if, if it takes a freshman or a sophomore and keeps them in college for two more years, I think that's good for the game. Whether it's with the same team, I, I just think having more players getting better, getting learning more and getting better, stronger, bigger, faster, that helps the NBA in the long run. Because I think what's hurt the NBA for a lot of years is they get some of these these, these players that come in and they've only yes. played one or two years in college, and then it takes them two or three years in the NBA, maybe four or five, to get stronger, bigger, faster, to be able to compete at the NBA level. Whereas if you get a guy, you could draft a player who has spent three, four, five years at college, hey, he's, he's, got, he's bigger, stronger, faster, older. He can step in and maybe contribute right away. You know, and I think that's where the one and done has really hurt, I think, the NBA in some ways. And I think with the transfer portal, I think you're seeing some of those those things kind of help play off. I mean, you know, Purdue has a guy, I think, uh, you know, on their roster that, you know, he's like a fifth, six-year guy. I mean, you know, I mean, and he's been around for a while, but that's probably going to help him out a little bit. You know, Zach Eddy, you know, I mean, it's going to help him, you know, maybe when he makes the, the, the transition to the NBA. So uh, I, I think that's where the portal has, has, has done some good things for it. Paulo Bencaro would be a junior on Duke. <laughs> you think about it. He's only 21. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, but 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 and again, and some players are talented enough that they can make the transition smoother, you know, yes. like, like Paolo did. But I think there's some guys that maybe need another year or two, you know, guys that were drafted in the first two rounds of the NBA draft, but now you see them on G League teams, you know, because they're 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 yeah. they're still trying to work on their game. This is where I think you know the transfer portal offers uh, players opportunities maybe to get another year or two under their belt and maybe get some some work under good coaches. There are a lot of players I know. Some coaches don't like this idea, but a lot of players who played at maybe, you know, uh, smaller schools that now have gone to bigger programs and are learning under, you know, uh, more experienced coaches. And that's kind of going to help them off in the future. We're the member of Orlando Sentinel. Before I let you go, okay, for football, you know I had to ask you a football question. Um, <laughs> what's going on? Okay, so the SEC and the Big Ten are, are having some type of committee together. What, what's happening exactly, Matt? Uh, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten are, are putting together an advisory committee, and they're going to start looking at some of the issues that are facing college athletics. And this is kind of along the lines of, you know, name, image, and likeness, and, you know, some of the issues with the, the, the transfer portal, and some of the things that basically they feel like aren't being addressed properly by the NCA. And this is just the first step, and I was telling someone this the other day, this is the first step in the haves really creating a larger canyon between the have-nots. You know, because what's going to happen is the SEC and the Big Ten are going to say, okay, we don't like how things are going. No one's making any moves. No one's finding a way to fix these problems. So we're going to break apart, and we're going to create our own conference, our own league. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're going to play that way. And that's what this is basically. Now, now I mean, that, that's not what the committee's job is, but they're going to try to find ways to work together to, to figure out what's best for them. And what makes this telling, Mark, is the fact that it's just the SEC and the Big Ten. You know, it's not like they've oh. invited, you know, the ACC or the Big 12 or, you know, uh, the, the Pac-2 or whoever to join them on this. This is the two most powerful conferences right now in college football, and actually in college athletics, and they're basically saying we're going to try to figure out what's wrong with this, what needs to be done, and if we can't get it fixed, we're going we're gonna to go to own and do our own thing. Let's go cover the Pac-2. <laughs> What you just said. Who is it? It's who is it? It's Oregon State and Washington State. And Washington State. Yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen but with I, that? 
What? Well, I mean, they're, they're, right now, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna keep doing what they're doing. They've been fighting with the, the remainder of the, of the Pac-12. They're trying to get um, their kind of voting rights in the new upcoming, you know, expanded college football playoffs. They would love to, to have an automatic bid, you know, I mean, yeah. if, they're, if they're eligible. Um, and that's another thing that's going on today. You know, I mean, you've got, you've got all the commissioners meeting today to discuss what's going to happen you know, and, you know, what the format's going to be for the new expanded playoffs starting this year. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion on how, how, how the sport is going to be and what, what's going to happen and who's going to, you know, are there still going to do home, you know, home playoff games and, and, and those kind of things. So lots going on in, in the sport that's not involved on the court or on the field. Uh, lots of court cases still being, you know, worked on and lots of committees trying to figure out NIL. So uh, this, the, everything has changed so much in the last four or five years. It's not being decided so much on, on the field and the court. It's been kind of decided in courtrooms and, and, and law briefs. I love uh, no one ever brings up going to class. There's no, like, <laughs> what's your major? It's just everything. Look, it, it's just completely this is pro sports after a while. And I get why they're doing these committees. Uh, it's ridiculous. Well, I, I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, this is, I, I mean, I, I have this discussion every time I, I speak to a group. You know, they, everyone, there's a woe is me, you know, faction of people who say, I'm, I'm tired of it. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's not college sports. No, it's not college sports like it used to be, but this is everything has has to change at some point, right? I mean, we can't keep living forty years in the past. That's what yes. killed the NCAA. Is the NCAA has been living forty years in the past, you know, when it comes to how it's handled things, and all of a sudden now they're trying to figure out how do we get, how do we catch up, how do we do it, how do we do it, and it's it's they've fallen behind, and and that's what hurt them with NIL, and it's hurt them with some other issues, and um, so everyone's trying to make it up, and. You know, as, as much as people complain about about it, you know, they're still going to watch college football next year. They're still going to watch the NCAA tournament, and they'll still they'll still bet on their brackets. So um, that's it, it right. Always, it always finds a way to work itself. Nature heals itself somehow. You're very wise today. You know that. I am not stuck. <laughs> I have not stuck I've forty years. Vac- I had a vacation. I had a vacation. I've got it all built up now. So. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We haven't talked. I have to ask you this. And I'll let you go. I know you're a busy, man. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Nick Nick Saban, he retired. Do you have a Nick Saban story or memory for us? Because I saw I saw him coach multiple times. How about you? I okay. I have I have a, a memory, but it's not. It was funny. Is when when Alabama was in Orlando. Um, this has got to be a decade ago, maybe. Um, and they were playing Michigan State. And, and we were out at Alabama's practice and they told us before the practice, before uh, Nick Saban spoke to us that we could only ask him four or five questions because he had to go and do some other stuff, whatever it was. And so there's a group of about maybe 40 of us there and, and, and Nick gets up to the podium and this TV guy from Michigan State says, what do you think of this weather, Nick? And so Nick Saban says, oh, the weather was great. And then as we, as we start to ask that question, he says, did you go to the amusement parks, Nick? And then they're like, okay, and he starts to answer that. And then we're about ready to answer the question, and he goes, what kind of rides do you like, Nick? And someone turned and said, you're using up all our questions. <laughs> it's like, to ask Nick Saban, like, do you think Nick Saban really cares about, like, you know, what, what amusement parks you know, are in Orlando or what, you know, what rides he wants to be on? That, that guy's epic. All right. Just epic. Yeah. <laughs> Van Shell, Orlando Sentinel. My man, thanks for your help, and have a great day. All right? All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. Take care.